Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We begin the show with a breakdown of the border surge, which is intensifying by the minute, and all of a sudden, the New York Times comment section sounds like the Breitbart Newsroom, not a joke, and we read you some of the evidence. Uh, or I read you. You don't use the royal we. It's inappropriate. People get it. And the question is, does it matter that people get it with an ideologue like Alejandro Mayorkas in charge? That is the open question. It turns out that the Texas monster who shot up a mini mall was, in fact, a Latinx white supremacist, which is crazy. We break that down. We preview a big day in the debt limit in the debt limit debate, and we cover a lot more in politics and culture in the opening of the show. Before we speak to Dr. Sebastian Gorka, who is formerly the national security editor for us, Breitbart News, went on to work for the president, President Trump, and then now is a broadcaster on both the Salem stations and Newsmax. He's joins the live show just about every week, hasn't been on the podcast in a while, and it's great to talk to him about the immigration situation, a new partnership between the CCP and the Taliban, which is very bad and scary and all Biden's fault. We talk about the coronation and much more. He's always terrific, and it's great to have him on. Let's get into it. We'll start with the border. The the, the border is in bad shape. Title 42 is set to end and we are already in pretty unbelievably bad shape. Uh, humanitarian crisis is the worst I've ever seen, according to an El Paso shelter director. And we are expecting the worst when Title 42 ends. Title 42 is really the only reasonable enforcement measure that is in place in this country. Everything else, because we have the ideologue Alejandro Mayorkas, who just simply does not believe that we have a border, doesn't really believe we have a country. And it, unlike much of the Biden administration, that seems to be more about just the accumulation of power and then uh, how to keep power, which in this country, by and large, is to trumpet the politics of the establishment media and the mainstream left and those in uh, in the, the left wing of the Democrat Party that does all of their community organizing, uh, it, which is, you know, the behavior that you see from Joe Biden, from Kamala, from Pete Buttigieg. Uh, but Alejandro Mayorkas is a committed doctrinaire leftist, and he is uh, the guy in charge of our border. He wants it open. And that should be scary to people for the obvious reasons, but also think about what that message that sends. Uh, and this is the message of globalism in general, which is that we are not nation states. Strong nation states is not the ideal way to form a world governance. The ideal of way of uh, operating globally is to have no border at all, which means that there really is no difference between the people south of our border and within our border. But there really is no difference between people on other continents even. Other than that, their proximity is not close to the United States. Um, and that is should scare a lot of you, particularly when we're in this moment of deep inflation. Because if Alejandro Mayorkas was running the world, then you can bet he would try to redistribute whatever little wealth Biden's letting you keep and try to give that to other parts of the world that are less fortunate. And what that would do is it would send you know tax rates into the 
80s and 90s, whatever it would be, nothing left, almost, and that would drive down incentives. I'm exaggerating a touch for emphasis, but this is the far extreme of the globalist experiment. That's what they would like to do, is have the wealthier countries, because it's all Marxism, redistribute wealth to the poor countries, and that's what we're doing. Is we are saying that anyone who is um, can get to our border has got a chance at staying. That's the implication. And everyone knows this south of our border. People know it all around the world, and they want to try to get to a place where they can get to that pipeline. Who runs the pipelines? Cartels. So you take this to a bigger extreme, then the the re, the redistribution of resources, particularly money. Would it, it, it applies globally. Now, we know in actuality what that would look like, is there would be bad guys, dictators, people who are selfish, who would ascend to power, as they typically do, and then they would take all that money, all those resources, and keep them for themselves. This is what has happened around the world. Uh, and uh, Mayorkas doesn't feel like that's a problem. He doesn't like the system we've got in place. He doesn't like the idea of a border. He doesn't like the idea of borders in general. So he is here to optimize the influx of people into the country without uh, causing so much of a scandal that eventually Biden and others are uh, compelled to step in just for a political, the, the sake of politics. Um, what will be interesting to see is if we actually get to that point when Title 42 ends, which is the only thing that is keeping massive floods back. Uh, one thing that is mind-blowing, and again, this is a risky thing, and who knows who put this in there, who knows if it's one of you guys, literally. But there's a viral comment, the New York Times, that was going around. You're not going to believe this, because again, comment, I can't vouch for whether or not this person is a troll or not. But it was still amazing to see this at the New York Times because there's also a reader's pick. So the readers were affirming that this is popular. After working for years with several nonprofits assisting newly arrived migrants who are paroled into the U.S. by Border Patrol, I can say that the biggest factor driving the surge is the fact that migrants have been told by relatives and friends who have crossed before that now is the time to make the journey because everyone is being allowed in. Yesterday, I met a couple from Venezuela who had just crossed into El Paso from Mexico. They explained to me that they'd been living for years in Chile and had built up a successful life there, but working as supermarket managers and had never, been, had never bought a house. But they didn't want to waste a free chance to enter the U.S. in their own world. I'm sorry, they even bought a house. And they didn't want to miss a free chance to enter the U.S. Those, that were their words. Now that they faced having to sleep on the streets of El Paso like thousands of other migrants, they were disappointed and expressed anger at being fooled by what they saw on social media. So the key takeaway here is that this isn't some migration surge driven by a great calamity of turmoil. This is a surge driven by social media rumors of the border being open to Venezuelans. Very few of the Venezuelan d Democrats have just got to give in on the border issue. They just have to. It's such an obvious issue. These migrants are not real asylum seekers. They are economic migrants. 
This inflames the right, and justly in my opinion. Lack of resolution on immigration fuels Trump and MAGA. No one likes seeing their communities change, especially not as fast as this mass migration changes them. Democrats whine about gentrification destroying communities, but this is just gentrification in reverse. Uh, this comment goes on, and this thing was wildly popular. But it's like the MAGA people are now in the New York Times comment section over this stuff. This is how you get converts. There's a key line in this comment. No one likes seeing their communities change, especially not as fast as this. That's the issue, is that we were told that the right thing to do is to allow your community to change at a certain pace. And those of you who do not like your communities changing at a certain pace, a more moderate pace, are actually bad people. You're xenophobes. That you're a bigot. And most of us kind of bought into that. Understanding that America was the, the way things are going with the border being open. With America being so attractive to both the talented and least talented people around the world. And the Anglosphere having fewer and fewer children, not just the United States, but Europe as well. I know what Australia's birth rate is. No way it's better than New Zealand. I mean, there's no way it's better than it is here. I'll have to look that up. But the, the, the whites who are generally affluent throughout the world are just having fewer kids. So, of course, given all that math, of course, your communities are going to gradually get uh, a, a, a little bit, you're going to see a little bit more migration and your communities are going to change. But now what's happening is the pace is going to accelerate. And it's not going to accelerate because there's a bunch of super qualified people who work really hard and are from first world countries who are going to be bringing their wisdom and know-how and energy and gusto to our country. We're getting people who are coming in who are uh, uh, from all walks of life, but in particular those who are willing to uh, endure the degradation, subject themselves to that from the cartels. Meaning people who are more desperate. Alejandro Mayorkas acted yesterday as though he cannot explain the border search. Really? That's interesting. Meaning that the one provision that was there, the Title 42, which means that, uh, which is designed to keep people out during pandemics. As has been noted many times on the show, one, if not the most important reason to have a border is to make sure you don't have a bunch of people who are infected coming across. Let's see how the White House is dealing with this. Let's play, I want to play uh, Cut 12. I mean, we've been very clear. Uh, look, uh, there shouldn't be negotiations on the debt on the debt limit. This is something that they should get to regular order. That, that's Cut 11. And get to work on. I want Cut 12. We cut 12, please. This is one about the manufacturing border crisis. That's not I mean, we've been very clear. Uh, look. Uh, All right, stop. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Do we have the same cut sheet? Uh, let's play cut 13. I know that one's immigration. Secretary Mayorkas has said that he's not worried about Title 42 expiring, that you are prepared, that he feels confident 
Is the president confident that you are doing everything you can to, to be prepared for this? We are confident that the, with the tools that we have in front of us, that we are doing everything that we can. We have a robust multi-agency plan to humanely uh, manage the border through enforcement, deterrence, and diplomacy. And we're implementing that plan with our regional partners using the few tools we have remaining because, again, Congress has failed to act. So it's Congress's fault, in a way, sort of, but that they're doing everything they can is the main thing here that is remarkable because they didn't build the wall and they suspended all the Northern Triangle agreements and they did everything they could to send a signal that if you come here, you got a chance. They know the numbers are, we cannot process people fast enough to get them through the system, which means that they have to give notices to, to appear in court and then people get bossed with into the, into the country. Is this sustainable? No, of course not. Is this beneficial? No. Could this potentially lead to something that we saw in 2015-2016 where this does give the MAGA movement win in their sales? And what's so interesting about this is the standard bearer for this would be Trump, who then got elected to build the wall. The wall never got built, which is why we have this problem. Now, people will differ on why it didn't get built, but obviously if there was a wall, it'd be a lot less of a mess here. Eight six six ninety five Patriot, if you are interested in this one. Um crazy stuff going down. Uh, the, a, a Texas border city man charged with a bus stop crash that killed eight migrants. Uh, I certainly hope that this isn't the worst case scenario, which is just someone in a rage decided to kill the migrants. Um, I don't know why that would be. The The person who was the driver identified as 38-year-old George Alvarez. Um, he certainly appears from his mugshot that he's been looks intoxicated but I don't know yet long criminal history so uh, I, I'm guessing it's not white rage in this instance but it's hard to tell it's hard to tell because of this bizarre ridiculously bizarre over-the-top crazy story of this Texas shooter who is monster really who staked out this mall massacre killed eight people, Mauricio Garcia. And uh, I, I did a deep dive, way too deep, unfortunately, into some of his social media profiles or what appear to be his social media profiles. And it really does seem like he was an honest-to-goodness uh, white supremacist. Seriously. You guys think I'm joking. But it is so much Nazi symbolism, um... SS symbolism uh, and really extreme rejection of the woke stuff, which we all reject, but really not processing it well, processing it in a very violent way, needless to say. So as I mentioned on yesterday's show, a clearly a deeply disturbed person, if you're going to have a name... I don't like repeating the name, but I think the 
the nature of this one. Um, you kind of have to do it. But when you've got a name like Mauricio Garcia and you somehow become a white supremacist, it's pretty clear you're a disturbed person. Uh, really hated women, Jews, and black people. Seemed to be frustrated by pretty much everything from uh, sexual sin to who controls the media to who controls the corporations to the woke culture. And it's hard to know everything that is, uh, how, how much it is lunatic ravings, but the meticulousness that he staked out this outlet mall, I, I really hate. And I hate that people talk about, have to talk about this because it does always end up encouraging people. But that's the problem when you see things like this, when a guy who with the name Mauricio Garcia, who's somehow a Nazi and is a bunch of Nazi symbolism, uh, it's unavoidable. Bad stuff going on in this country. Really bad stuff. So migrants surge is already starting. Bob Price and the Breitbart border team are already down there. And it's not just people coming over. You've got meth, marijuana, cocaine, fentanyl, heroin, at least a firearm seized over the last few days, sex offenders, gang members, It is it's just scary numbers, scary numbers. And a lot of cash. What do they do with the cash? They just give it to Biden? All right, that's not the only crisis we got going that we're dealing with this week at Breitbart News. We got a border. I'm sorry, we got the border crisis. We also got the debt ceiling negotiations. Senate Republicans are now pressing for spending cuts ahead of the White House debt meeting, which is good. You've seen a lot of the more mainstream Senate Republicans uh, backing McCarthy on this, which is productive. Because when you're starting to get the coalitions aligned, uh, White House thinks it's a phony crisis. They're trying to get avoid Biden having to negotiate this thing. And announced that Biden's got the same... Biden's got the same priorities as everyone else, whatever that means. So there's going to be a big meeting today, and we'll see if there's anything productive, but I would stay uh, attuned to Breitbart News. And what's notable here is that Biden needs a win because the media is getting frustrated with him. Uh, I'll play you a couple of clips just to kind of indicate what's going on. Um, let's play, this is, I want to do, where's it, where's the Stephanopoulos clip? Cause I, I feel like I don't want to call for clips anymore. Cause I feel like I'm getting confused. You have Stephanopoulos clips of him complaining about Biden or is that gone now? See, this is the thing this is on my cut sheet. And then now I don't know if it's on the new cut sheet. Just, just send me the fresh one. George Stephanopoulos was complaining about Biden's, uh, poll numbers saying how disastrous they are. Here's a headline from the Washington Post. Uh, Biden no longer does press conferences. That's not acceptable. So Biden's never really done that many press conferences. They've always been brief. And anyone who has spent five minutes 
thinking about Joe Biden, which I know many people haven't, know that he hasn't liked the press since his first presidential run in 1988. So he's been in Washington 50 years, been pretty known he doesn't like the press for 35 of those years. And the Washington Post, because they're ignoramuses, were, are shocked they just want to do the media. So uh, this has been a long-standing thing. Not to mention Biden has uh, always has to answer questions about his family, which he doesn't like to do. Biden really cares about his family, and there's a lot of drama going on with them right now. Um, Hunter Biden's ex-business partner Devin Archer, made famous by a lot of Peter Schweitzer's reporting, uh, he is basically uh, being urged to give key details, dirt, if you will on the Biden family, Hunter, the big guy, or go to prison. And we're going to know today if he's going to get a plea deal, but the Bidens have basically thrown him under the bus, and it doesn't look like the Bidens are going to pardon him, which was a consideration, at least the media was thinking it was a consideration. So, and Hunter's facing a potential criminal investigation. It'd be noteworthy that when would this thing conclude if there is a Hunter Biden political investigation? How long would it go on? Because it could go on in a couple of different ways. It could conclude right around election time, um, which would be very bad, I think, for Joe Biden, the Biden family. It'd be pretty, pretty unbelievable if that was the case. Uh, or it could conclude, you know, afterwards would be good for them. Perhaps if Hunter gets convicted, will Joe end up having to pardon his own son? And if so, how does the timing line up with the election? Because you wouldn't want to pardon him before the election. So, again, it's all stuff you get your hopes up over this. It's all stuff you get your hopes up that maybe the timing will be just right, that perhaps the Biden crime family, the chickens will come home here. The same way they kind of did for Hillary at the very end where some of the corruption stuff, I think, really was hot in the news at the very last minute, and I really think that that hurt her. So it's a possibility. It's a, it's a, easy to let your mind wander on that stuff. It'll finally be some accountability for the Bidens. Um, we'll keep you posted throughout the next couple of days as we should get some developments on that front. Uh, back on Texas, where, again, you've got a guy with a Latinx name, their preferred nomenclature, they being the woke left, ranting against Jews, women, racial minorities on social media, clearly unhinged, lunatic, removed from the army in 2008 over mental health issues, no kidding. But the conclusion that's drawn from the gun crowd, anti-gun crowd, um, is including Mike Bloomberg's gun control affiliate Shannon Watts, is that we need to make the AR-15 age, where you could purchase it, raise that to 21. Well, this guy was 33, so this is what they do. Uh, moms, a mom's gun control group here for the kids in Colorado is urging Colorado to ban all guns. Connect this with the Mayorkas story I just identified about how Mayorkas doesn't think we really should have a country now we've got a group in who apparently is at least getting through to the governor to some degree in Colorado who doesn't think we have a constitution. 
we've got shall not be infringed right in there when it comes to the, your Second Amendment rights, keep and bear arms. But yeah, but they're really in a rage because a lot of horrible stuff are happening in this country where guns are involved. Thus, we just ignore this one amendment. Do people think it through? I think they do. I think they're cool with it. And this is the problem, the fact that we're constitutionally illiterate. and We have a school system that doesn't work, doesn't teach this stuff. And we have a media that uh, plays along with these ideas. So if that is if that is where people are going to go in mainstream life, then we've got we've got a lot of defending of the U.S. Constitution that we got to do because that is a direct attack on it. And I can guarantee you, if you poll a bunch of people, then who are mainstream Democrats, they'll like it. All right, I'm jumping around a little bit. More Biden news. The uh, we had a story, interesting one that bribery allegations were brought to the DOJ by a whistleblower in 2008 against Joe Biden. Wendell Husebo writes for us at Breitbart. The allegations were ignored. 2008 whistleblower in a separate case, not the one that we're, that's working through the House Oversight Committee with James Comer right now, um, against Joe, involved Hunter's board membership in Burisma, Ukrainian energy company. New York Post reported this. Bud Cummins, a former federal prosecutor, first reported bribery allegations to then New York U.S. Attorney Jeff Berman in October of 2018, claiming that he had evidence that Biden had exercised influence to protect his son's Ukrainian employer in exchange for payments to Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, and Joe Biden. Uh, in an email obtained by John Solomon's Just the News, Cummins said the Ukraine then-prosecutor General Yuri Lutsenko wanted to travel to the United States to meet Berman and could produce two John Doe witnesses to corroborate his claims about the Bidens. Berman didn't respond. What? Stunned. Stunned. Um... Tara Reid, who is of, uh, we know Joe Biden's creepy, but there is one credible accusation of a brutal sexual assault, and it's made by a woman named Tara Reid, and uh, dates back to when Biden was a senator in the 90s, and she's been invited to testify on her assault claims. I don't know if she's going to do it. She's been invited by Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates. I hope she does. I, I would be sort of surprised if she does. But I uh, would love to see it, needless to say. So Biden's going to have to pivot to some stuff. He's got to get some stuff in the news that he thinks could be a positive. So he's come up with what he wants to do. Are Are you ready? The Biden administration is drafting an airline passenger protection rule. That's what he's doing. So he's going to shift focus to the airlines. Sure, that passengers are compensated for flight delays and cancellations that have been caused by the airlines. So I I was thinking about this, some of my little team that helps me research. Uh, Is there anything else where the government compels people to pay people for bad customer service? 
So, so you get bad service, and then the government forces you to pay for your bad service. Uh, maybe that's not what this is about. Maybe what's going on is the blame is getting shifted for all the delays, all the horrible travel environment that we're in right now. Airlines seem to be going backwards at a pretty rapid rate. It's so unpleasant to be at the airport. Flights are getting so expensive in many cases, depending on where you're going. And maybe there's some blame shifting that's going on because the FAA has not done a good job. So just put it on the airlines, put more on them. And I bet you it's popular because people are looking, we don't know exactly who to blame. We know just the experience of flying, it just seems to be getting worse at a rapid rate. And it really has since COVID. And the more divided we are, it gets worse there too because everyone gets to the airport with their guard up. So, uh, and this is, go back to the State of the Union where Biden was talking about junk fees and we all thought that was, that was a big joke. And it is a big joke in a way. But Biden's also probably right on it. Probably right that we're getting nickel and dime and all these stupid fees all the time. The brilliant Secretary of Transportation, Mayor Pete, whereas he appears on my I'm not sure accurate cut sheet, Big Mayor Pete, has spoken to this, and I, I, I have to I have to hear this one. Could you play the, the Pete clip? I, I it's important to note here that, yeah, go ahead. that go ahead. just over two years ago, when President Biden took office in the depths of the pandemic, the biggest concern around our nation's airlines was whether they would stay in business at all. And if they did, how many years or even decades it would take for them to recover. But President Biden acted to restore this economy swiftly. So he restored the economy swiftly. Please listen to my interview with Stephen Moore yesterday. It's also the podcast guest, those of you who are on podcast. You have to check it out. I mean, he breaks down all the details of just how the economy's not been restored swiftly. But this is where they want to go. I don't know if it's going to distract from the debt and the border and all the other very crises that are facing us. Um. All right, hard pivot. A few other things I want to bring up in no particular order, and then we're going to go to the phones at 866-95-PATRIOT, if you opine on any of this. Uh, those of you who missed uh, Caleb Crusoe Breitbart's story on the winning Kentucky Derby horse jockey team, all from Venezuela, um, you have to read it. It's a super interesting history that we have. I brought up in yesterday's show, so I won't give some details. But the uh, the there's very popular post for us at Breitbart, the winning derby jockey praising God following his finish. Always so refreshing when that happens. Always so refreshing. Contrast that with if you watch any Hollywood award shows where it's always, you know, praising Zelensky. <laughs> Can I get that Ukraine talk in? Uh, do you guys catch that Randy Weingarten, the head of the uh, most powerful teachers union, AFT, was in Ukraine, in Kiev, Kiev. I guess we're calling it Kiev now. The childless person who we've all entrusted our children's lives with, public school system. So she was in. She was in Kiev. It, it is noteworthy how it is now such a virtue signal for the elite, and it's disturbing because I would like to have an intelligent conversation about what's the best way to keep Putin, one of the biggest menaces on the planet, at bay. And maybe some of the stuff we're doing is not all that bad. But when it becomes this thing where you've got the head of the teachers' union who's supposed to be caring about American kids who are suffering, and she's in Ukraine, 
just to send a signal that she's cool and she's with it and she's symbolically a liberal elite, then it just makes you hate the whole thing and it makes you irrationally dislike Ukraine even. They do these things to irritate us in some cases. Speaking of the elite, the World Health Organization, Hillary, uh, I'm sorry, Chelsea Clinton, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are teaming up to push child vaccinations. This is the whole thing is that if you want kids to get vaccinated, you need to get better spokespeople than this. Bill Gates, the Clinton family, the World Health Organization are, are all demonic to half of the country in the United States. And theoretically, if you really cared about vaccinations, you want all the kids to get vaccinated, not just the ones who share your politics. Because if enough people are not getting the vaccinations, then there is uh, uh, all of society suffers. Once you drop down below a certain vaccination threshold, then it's not really going to slow stuff down all that much. So why are they having people who are so polarizing be the spokespeople for certain causes? I haven't worked this out completely. I, I think this is just arrogance and stupidity. I, I don't think this one's a grand master plan. It is for Gates, of course. Gates just wants everyone jabbed with everything. He, he'd jab anyone with anything at any point. But for the rest of them, like, why are the Clintons and the World Health Organization with the Gateses? Not the right people if you actually want kids to be protected. And we're talking about COVID vaccines. COVID vaccines, uh, that's a... Uh, fallen off a cliff in terms of what people are, people getting their kids vaccinated for that, which I support. I support not doing that. But other vaccinations that we know work, it's going to make you want to take them less if you see these horrible spokespeople. Duh. Um... A lot of dramatic protests. We have some stories just running over the Jordan Neely subway death in New York. This was the guy with something like 40 prior arrests, obviously threatening, menacing figure on the New York City subways, who died, I guess was sort of choked out. Uh, and the guy who had his arm around his neck was a white guy. There were other people who were POCs, people of color, were present. There's the, you know, a photo of a white guy choking a guy in the middle of the subway. You know where this is going to go. It's going to go to violent protests because that's how we deal with these things in the country. We don't wait for context. We don't try to find any reasonable explanation. We don't look into whether or not this guy had actually been a problem in the past. We just start protesting. And then the protests, where do they become now? They become riots. Are we asking questions about whether or not we're doing anything to improve and why things are going backwards? particularly in our cities? Do, do we bother to try to even, or is it just foolish for me to even bring that up? Outraged postal carriers are demanding action to stop robberies. Why do they have to do that? Because postal carriers are more worried now, not of weather, not of whatever it is that they have faced in the past, they're, they're worried about getting mugged at gunpoint. It, it just is a, it's such an unfortunate thing because you've got so many corners of the planet. You got uh, Biden's on, Biden is on airlines. 
you know, the New York district attorney is on Trump. I mean, the Republicans are on Hunter Biden, which I'm all for, but only because the Bidens have just evaded the law in so many ways. But now we're at a point where the postal workers are bummed out because they keep getting mugged. We don't have to choose this path. We're choosing this path as a country. We've lowered standards in so many ways. Crime in particular. I consider immigration a part of that. The border a part of that. School system. Head of the teachers unions in Kiev. Uh, We deserve better. At least I think we do. Dr. G's on and doesn't need any introduction, I don't think, to this audience. So uh, one of the uh, bright lights and great spirits of the conservative movement and a former colleague of mine, a Breitbart, and a regular on our live show on SXM, uh, uh, which you can get on the app and live every morning, 6 a.m. Eastern time, if you care to, and I think you should. You could hear from a lot of great callers, etc. Uh, but Dr. G's on every week with us, has been on the podcast in a while. Here he is. Dr. G, I want to start with the open border. It is open. It will be more open as of a couple days when Title 42 dries up. And we have a open border zealot who's in charge of this, who is determined to advance the globalist experiment. And I, I just don't see anything stopping him from doing it at the moment. Uh, what do you think's going on? What is your main takeaway? Anything you're observing this week that you think the audience should know about? Yeah, to be brutally honest, Alex, there should be a lot of things happening from uh, GOP governors, even uh, local DAs and sheriffs. Um, I don't see why we have to wait for the Senate and the House and the executive to be in our hands. People like Alejandro Mayorkas should be arrested right now for aiding and betting the cartels. What what Abbott is doing in Texas is 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 a joke. It's performative art. You know he has resources he could have deployed two years ago to actually do an effective sealing of the border across at least the most egregiously open parts of the territory that are under his control. So it's again sadly an example of of the establishment conservative actors really not wanting to do anything to rock the boat. This is, what, six million people that we know of. Then we add in all the getaways. We see the rampant crime. We see the attempts to completely destroy the political system in America by a racist Democrat party that thinks if you're brown-skinned illegal and you're somehow led into the country illegally, eventually you can be amnested and will definitely vote for that party. Um, it's it, the only word is invasion. This is truly an invasion, and and let's just be very clear about Alejandro Mayorkas. This isn't some piker who arrived yesterday who doesn't know what he's doing. If you talk yeah. to the likes of Tom Homan and Mark Morgan, you know this is a person who is at the very top of the DHS structure under Obama. He knows exactly what he is doing, and the fact that the party that tells us. We're here for the little guy. We're here for minorities. We're here for the women and children, and we really care. 
is facilitating the smuggling and the abuse and the sexual assault and rape of women and children every single day. It just tells you who the Democrats really are, Alex. Yeah, it does. And I think that this is a part of the part of the Biden agenda that scares me the most because it just does not it, it's not about practicality. It's it does seem to be about ideology. It's not just about moving levers of power. This is about trying to advance the globalist experiment and at the expense of Americans. And the left is controlling a lot of the language here. You're not supposed to call it an invasion. You're not supposed to use the words great replacement. There's certain things that for whatever reason, uh, the media establishment, the fact checkers, the Silicon Valley elite, all of them are willing to go out on a limb to control certain things that we say to frame what's going on. And the immigration issue, Dr. G, it's so broad. It's so complex. You're an immigrant. I just had Neil Monroe on, who's my top immigration reporter, who's an immigrant. We're not anti-immigrant, but we're so far off from when we can even discuss proper immigration levels because we are letting people flood into our country and they're bringing all sorts of stuff. I just looking at these reports from law enforcement down there is just every drug under the sun, weapons, cash. What do you think the cash is for? I mean, it's the it's not to mention all these people are victims of human trafficking, sex trafficking. And we have the guy in charge. He digs it. He likes it. Yeah. Yeah. It's um the because of everything you've just listed, I think if you have to identify the most, I don't mean immoral, but amoral person without any moral compass at all in this Biden administration that is filled with ideologues and incompetence, it is Alejandro Mayorkas. It, you know, it, the, the, we are the only country in the world that doesn't have a functioning border. No, no other country in the world says, you know, we have an open border and then lies about it every single day from the vice president on down. And, and the, most, the most appalling aspect of it all is it's all fixable. When, when we were in the White House, this was all fixed. That's not to say we had a, a hermetic seal on the southern border, but it was down to a trickle by comparison to what's happening today. So, yes, absolutely. This is, this is when the, you realize that these are people who are utterly hostages to their own ideology. The, the idea that you would do this to women and children on a mass scale every single day tells you that the only thing that matters to these individuals is power, power, power. The, the, the obtaining of power and the maintaining of power by any means possible. This, this, look, I've said it before, I think on your show, we know he's a rhino today, but that incredible story that Dan Crenshaw told on, on my radio show once where uh, a girl from Mexico, an 18-year-old girl, managed to, to make it to uh, his office in uh, D.C. and asked him his, 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 in desperation to close the border. Why? Because her family had paid the coyotes to smuggle her into America at age 13. She thought she was going to land in the, you know, the country of, of milk and honey, was smuggled across the border, ended up in a, a, a room, locked in a room in New York, where she was raped daily by more than a dozen men for years until she escaped. She said, please help me stop this happening to anybody ever again. Those are the stories we should be telling because those are the stories that are happening every single day. 
uh, really, really important stuff. Uh, Dr. G, I'm going to make a hard pivot because I know that you want to talk about yeah. the story. I brought this up um, before I even know, knew you want to talk about it on the opening of the show. But a scoop that just the news got John Solomon's site, the ex-prosecutor approached the Department of Justice in 2018 uh, with the witness who claimed Joe Biden was involved in bribery, very similar to what we're watching play out right now. But this is a completely different case. Uh, what jumps out at you about this? Well, a couple of things. Uh, the, 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 so this is a qualitative change in the coverage of, of you know, all the crimes of the Biden cartel. And, you know, let's salute John Solomon for, for getting the scoop as he has so many times previously. So we know about Hunter, Burisma, the deal with the Chinese National Bank, the millions from the... Uh, widow of the former mayor of Moscow, then um, his dealings with the chief spy of China. This is different. This is this is proof positive of a pay-to-play scheme involving the then vice president and the current president. So this is U.S. policy changed because Joe Biden got a bundle of cash. That's what we're talking about here. So number one, this is on a different. This is this is the kind of thing that just brings down that administration. Secondly, and, and and shockingly, we we know what they did, what the FBI and the DOJ did to Victoria Tunsing and Rudy Giuliani when they were looking into the corruption of the Bidens and Ukraine. They acquired a secret warrant to download all of their communications from the cloud. These are people who are attorneys. There was a complete breach of any attorney-client privilege uh, information protection. And now we find out not only did they do that to Victoria and to Rudy, they did it to this individual who was a former federal prosecutor. And they did it in 2018. So let's just stop for a second. When, when President Trump was in the White House, we had people at the DOJ who were okay with issuing secret surveillance warrants against somebody who is a former federal prosecutor simply because he said, I know somebody who's got the goods on Joe Biden. If ever there was a piece of empirical evidence that is incontrovertible proof that the deep state is real, it's that, Alex. Yeah. And so do you think that are you holding your breath that you think there's going to be some accountability here, Dr. G, for the Biden family? Uh, because there's so much smoke, as we know, and it is they we have ample evidence that they've come up with legal corruption, legal ways of yeah. enriching themselves and the family name. I mean, that's very well documented and will continue to be well documented. But it, it, what about something illegal here? Do we have any sense that any confidence that Republicans are going to sort this out, that there's something illegal that goes on? Uh, because, again, that could well, be pretty shocking. It... Yeah, I had a long discussion with, with John Victoria yesterday. And, and look, I asked them this question as a former U.S attorney for for dc as a former senior staffer in the senate intelligence committee and a doj lawyer um they they surprised me and they said that you know they have high hopes of congressman comer's uh, revelations tomorrow and they have faith that you know he's really going to provide the pay dirt the, the the issue is you know how many times have we been here before in the last six years alex where 
where the GOP have promised the, 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 the you know the mood and delivered you know nothing. Um, I will say, however, in the last four or five months, I've been pleasantly surprised by Kevin uh, McCarthy, by the work of Coma, by the work of Jordan. So I have some hope, but the issue here is what do you do with it? What, what's the next stage? What's the so what of it all? As long as, as long as the DOJ is in the hands of that meat puppet Merrick Garland and is being run by that Obama funky, really, you know, behind the scenes, Lisa Monaco, there will be no criminal ramifications. Again, a local actor like Bragg is outrageously doing against President Trump. A local actor could really actually act on the true crimes committed by the Biden family and try to prosecute uh, members of the Biden family, charge them with the crimes they have committed. But at the end of the day, um, the best we can hope, and look, Biden's not reacting very well. In the, in the last few interviews, you can tell that he's he's feeling the heat, maybe not from us, but from the DNC. You saw the polling figures from, what was it, Washington Post, 47% for President Trump, 42% for Biden. That's that's disastrous 18 months out from, from an election. So the best we can hope for is the information is exposed by the investigative committees and it leads to the dnc trying to take out uh, biden or maybe a local actor saying okay this has to stop and i'm going to charge frank biden hunter biden with crimes but i'm not sure i'm going to hold my breath on that one that's where my head's at I'm having audio issues. Sorry about that, Doctor G. Yeah, that, that's where my head's at. I mean, we're in the same spot uh, again. I'm excited about it. I'm happy to talk about this over some of the other stuff that uh, I think the media is trying to get us to discuss. But it is again one where I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but it is, I think, worthwhile considering what the Democrats put President Trump through. It, it seems like it could be a, a never-ending cycle, but it just does seem like we need to. Uh, start fighting fire with fire in this regard is the if they're going to harass Trump and his family the way they have and we know yeah. what the Biden family is doing is is worse and they're all federal they're all making their money off the federal government it's a Donald Trump was a has been a politician for six seven years it's the he's hold held elected office one time for four years no one else in his family has been elected it's just one of these things where uh, it, it seems very appropriate from my vantage point yeah, no, it's it's indicative of the opposite of what the founding fathers wished for this nation. Uh, it's not just the corruption itself, but you, you look at Joe Biden, and he's never done anything meaningful for this country. He is an exemplar of the professional politician. How does a person like that accrue the wealth that they have accrued, if not through through you know grift and through corruption? This is the antithesis of what I lost Dr. G there. Is that on his end, my end? What do we think that is? Can you hear me, Alex? Yeah, I lost you. You're back. You're back. I can, I can hear you. No, I, no it, look, despite, you know, irrespective of, of all the concrete crimes committed, this is, you know, this is the opposite of what the founding fathers intended for the country. Who, who is Joe Biden? Look at this man. I mean, even, even before his two brain aneurysms and his brain surgery, 
This was a stupid man. This was a mendacious individual. This was a cheat and a liar, a person who was caught plagiarizing uh, his presidential speeches, his candidate speeches, from a British politician who lied about getting two university degrees, finishing at the top of his class with a full scholarship. All of those things are lies, and he said them you know, in front of TV cameras. This, this is the man who became president. Not, not only that, this is the individual who, as chairman of the Judiciary Committee, led the, quote, high-tech lynching against a black American simply because he dared to be a conservative nominee to the, to the highest court in the land. This individual is corrupt to the core, has grifted for his whole family, and then ends up as the president. I mean, that itself is a, a, a condemnation of what politics has become in America. I mean, let's be honest here. Let's take politics out of the equation. This is a stupid man. This is this this is a corrupt man. This is a person who shouldn't be walking. Would you would you trust this man to walk your dog, Alex? No, 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 absolutely not. It's I would never leave no. Chip in the hands or Daphne in 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 the hands of. And he's um, the I'm, yeah, no, in the hands of the president. No, no, it's it's a great point. And and this is the whole thing. I just had this similar conversation with Steve Moore yesterday about how his whole economic team. You wouldn't. You wouldn't hire them to run a lemonade stand, and yet they're in charge of yeah. you know the biggest economy in the world, and that's uh, that is across the board, and that's why the Uniparty is such a big threat. Um, Doctor G, did, I did want you see, did yeah. you see the hearing of, the, of, the, of his interior secretary last week. Um, uh, I'm uh, sure I caught bits and pieces, but what, what are you? What are you getting at? American who's, who's clearly only there because she's a Native American, and I think it was Hawley who was asking her. So do you know where the lithium comes uh, from for the batteries that you want to have, you know, mandated across EV vehicles? Do you know where the cobalt comes from? You know, and, and, and she's so stupid. By the third time he answered the question, is China. She still says, uh, I, I don't know, Senator. And then he asked her, so why have you shut down any cobalt mining in America? Why, why are you... Mm -hmm. Why are you making it uh, so that America is even more reliant upon our only strategic level threat and, and, and adversary in the world? And then she babbles about fish in some protected wildlife preserve and why nature is important. I mean, this, this, is, this is when you realize these people may be ideologically hardcore, but they're also real imbeciles. I mean, your secretary for the interior doesn't know where the elements for EV batteries come comes from, but her justification for making us more reliant upon, you know, the communist China is yes. tadpoles or something. It tells you everything you need to know. Arrogance, incompetence, and ideology. It is a deadly witch's brew. You know, one thing that is connecting, I think, connects to uh, your the point you just made and also points about how Biden um, is not the most competent uh, the, his biggest failing and there's been so many is probably that the afghanistan botch pull out there and the fallout from there is enduring and we learned just yesterday and this is huge news that is just not it's hard to give a top billing with so much going on domestically but the taliban has now joined china's belt and road debt trap so basically china is now uh, going to have a, a new tributary state in afghanistan led by the taliban uh, which, of course, enables the worst people in Afghanistan and strengthens the worst people in China. I mean, this is a disaster. It's purely on Joe Biden. And uh, again, Dr. G, it's it, you can't understate this stuff. 
No, you can't. And, and again, you know, the word geopolitics or geostrategy, you know, can can seem intimidating and, and very fancy, but but no, you can you can boil it down to just a, you know a phrase or two. When when we were in the administration in the West Wing, I, I stole a phrase from the Marine Corps and I, I used it liberally. I said, with the return of America First into the White House, all you need to know about this nation, about America, is no better friend, no worse enemy. And everybody in the world knew it. If you were a friend of ours, like the UK, like Israel, you know, you could count on our support because we have common enemies like Iran, uh, like ISIS. If you were one of our enemies, then you were afraid of us or you were destroyed. I mean, the fact that we came in and, and we had been told by Obama that ISIS is just, quote-unquote, a generational threat you have to live with, we got the lawyers out of the way. We unleashed our special operators, and within five months of walking into the West Wing, the physical caliphate, the biggest insurgency uh, of its kind, was gone, was history. That tells you that this stuff, it's, 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 it's hard to do, but it's simple. That's what Clausewitz said about war. And that's the same uh, with regard to geopolitics. Now it's the obverse. It is absolutely the reverse. If you are our friend, you feel deserted. Just look at what's happening to, to Israel. Look at what's happening to our friends in Southeast Asia who are being intimidated daily by China. And if you are one of our enemies, you are making hay while the sun shines. If you're Russia, you're invading other countries. If you're Iran, you're you know, smuggling weapons into Syria and destabilizing that country. If you're China, you're remilitarizing and, and, and saying to yourself, is this the time to take Taiwan? So in a big scheme of things, it, what we have seen makes the Carter administration look relatively competent. Oh, totally. Totally. Because back then you had you know you had one big thing. Yeah, you had the Iranian hostage siege, mm -hmm. and then you had all the problems domestically when it came to you know the price of gas and everything else. Here, you, you can't pick pick any region of the world, and America is absent, or we're pissing off our friends and we're elevating our enemies. That that takes some real skill to do that. Every every part of the world is showing that trend line. Uh, Dr. G, Pop Kids, who was the first senator to endorse Jimmy Carter for president? Ooh, the first senator. Uh, was, it, was it the kid from Spanton? Yeah, I believe it was. I believe it was. It's a it, it's the this this is the the OG Carter supporter wow. is uh, wow. Joseph Robinette Biden. So yeah, that, uh, that's a, why he's trying to out outdo him right now. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a, again, it's a, all the signs were there. All the signs were there. And we just, some of us just missed them. I don't, I don't know, I don't know about you and me, but so some of us just missed them. I got to get your take on the coronation. What was your take? Uh, you know, as a guy who was born there, grew up there, and who for many years, one of my most prized possessions was a very plain, celebratory, a coffee mug for the uh, Silver Jubilee of her coronation in 1977. Um, I like the pomp and ceremony. I know people think it's funny him sitting there in a crown in a gilded carriage, but you know these these are expressions of the stars and stripes. So for them, this is a a very ornate version of the flag. This is history, tradition, and this is Britishness. 
So I like seeing it. It's an amazing thing because we probably maybe won't see this again in our lifetime. It depends how long you know, King Charles lives. Um, but on the on the flip side of all the positive, warm feelings I have uh, for seeing this celebration, I mean, it's simply pride of nation. I mean, this this isn't about you know constitutional monarchies are are good. This isn't an ideological expression. It's an expression of pride in your country. So I like that. Um, the only fly in the ointment is. Chuck. Um, he's he's no Elizabeth II. Uh, this is a man who was famous in the 1980s for, for talking to talking to his house plants. So um, I don't think he's going to match up to his mum. I don't think he is either. But are you? I and mean, I don't want to do too much happy talk if you think it's not warranted. But do, do you feel like he seems to have turned a corner a little bit back towards uh, just sort of the symbolism of the monarchy itself and? Uh, it's I, I liked all how it was you know a Christian ceremony. There was very beautiful, a lot of ornate stuff, a lot of beauty in it, and uh, it did it did feel like this is something that he cares about. He kind of cares about how architecture, for example, has gone way away from form, has gone pure function, and it's made the world a much more hideous place. You know, there's some stuff he does. The climate change stuff is, of course, repulsive, but it, a lot of the stuff he's been doing lately. Seems pretty good, and again, I want to be cautiously optimistic here. Yeah, no, that that's a fair assessment. In, in the last few years, he has tamped down some of his more more um, uh, annoying, troublesome uh, comments. So yes, there, there is hope, and who knows? I mean, he's been waiting. What he's been waiting about thirty years to do this. Could, could you be? Could you imagine waiting decades and decades and decades? To do the job that you were born to, to to do, given your heritage, so that's a tough position to be in. So, um, yeah, maybe you're right. Let's 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 give King Charles III a, a little bit of grace, a grace period. Uh, I, I'm giving him a little grace period. I will say though, Doctor G, I would love it if someone would tell me that the job I'm meant to do is 30 or 40 years down the road for me, that would be so cool. I, I have to admit, because it, you never know, I've got a cool job now. Like, I don't know, I've already peaked. Have I, have I peaked in my mid thirties? Maybe I have, I don't know. I hope not, I don't think so, but it'd be nice to have that reassurance that, by the way, someday down the road, you will be the leader of a whole country. That sounds like, all right, I could take that. I, I would go for that. Are you, are, are you only in your mid thirties? Yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm pushing late thirties now. I guess I guess technically late thirties at this point. You're a whippersnapper. Uh, good, thank you. I need to hear that these days. I need to hear that. De- definitely moving into into midlife coming up here very soon, Doctor G. Anything else you want to get to uh, before I let you run for the day? No, I just you know keep the pressure on everybody. I, I was with our, our listeners in uh, Florida at the weekend at a great Freedom Expo event. And uh, I got asked the same question. What do we do about all this? And my yeah. answer is always the same. What are you doing about it? What mm, are you love it. doing about it? Are you engaged? Are you running? I don't care if it's a local school board or the local library you know, council. You need to be engaged. That way we can win. Take back America one local election at a time. It's up to us, guys. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, what are you doing? Yeah, I like this. And, you know, I wrote my conclusion in Breaking the News, which you've plugged more than I think just about any other national host. And I appreciate that, Dr. G. Uh, um, I basically laid this out. It was I took a little bit of break from the why the media is horrible, which is what most of the book is about. But then I kind of laid out some simple stuff you can do depending on what time 
how much time you can dedicate to it. So yes, uh, a, a man, a woman, as they say in the U.S. House of Congress. Thanks, Dr. G. Yep. America first. It's up to you. And, and everybody, yeah. get his book, Breaking the News. Thank you, my friend. I'm American made. I got American parts. That's today's show. Big thanks to Bill Barnett and Zach Jones who put it together. Bob Marlowe helps me pick topics. And of course, my favorite, all of you. Thanks for listening and telling 10,000 friends and family members about us. And we'll catch you next time. I got stuff.